Hello, welcome back to the podcast, Let's Talk Horses, with me, Meg Parkinson. It's episode 43. Um, <clears throat> had a week out last week to spend some time with my daughter as it was half term here in the UK. And I'm back with a vengeance to kind of sweep up all the fragments of questions that have been flying in through my social media as I've been talking a lot about your bum muscles and what they do and what they don't do and how we want to use them and how we don't want to use them. So this episode is a biomechanic special and it's all about focusing on how we activate the right muscles around our pelvis around our seat and what we need to become aware of as a rider when we're thinking about what impact we have over our horse's movement. So hopefully this clears a few things up, get you thinking in a different way. And as always, any questions that you end up with from this, please drop me a line so that you can um, you're not left wondering or confused. Hopefully you enjoy it. your bum muscles. (laughs) So yes, we're going to talk about our bum muscles or our glutes, whatever you want to call them. But basically, the big things that power us along as we move, and are sometimes a little bit of a culprit of why our horses don't move so much. Um, And I have written a few posts of this on my Instagram account. So you might have seen me start to write about this if you follow my Insta. Um, And what I wanted to do is I was getting quite a lot of questions. It was quite interesting to see how people were taking in that information and kind of processing it in their mind. And it was coming out in, in different ways and lots of different questions coming in. So I thought actually, why not do a podcast on it? Because you know I love to talk and hopefully I can explain it in a little bit of a clearer way for us. So why have I started to talk about the glutes? A couple of reasons. Judged a few dressage competitions recently and it's been really obvious for me when I've been right when, when I've been watching when a rider is overriding. Um, And I'll explain what that is in a second and how that affects our horses. And quite a lot of the time it can be tracked back to the glutes. Now, it will always depend on the kind of era you grew up in riding. So there was there's certain kind of positional styles and fashions through certain years. And obviously, if you're listening to this outside the UK, it will vary slightly as well. And the kind of training that you've had, um, it all kind of circulates around the community and the fashions at the time. I grew up in the in the era of tuck my bum under and drive the horse forward. So a driving seat. So we were taught to kind of like really drop our tailbone down and in feel ourselves tuck our bottom underneath ourselves and really kind of root ourselves into the saddle that way needless to say it's not necessarily the correct way to ride and it's certainly not biomechanically correct but that's what we were taught at the time and that was always the best that was known and then so um but you then have different eras where previous and it's kind of this massive pendulum thing that happens within riding and I hope now because we've got some amazing scientists working with us got sports scientists working with us we've got lots of biomechanical analytics 
going on we've got so much more information nowadays than we ever had before you've got pressure mapping of saddles we understand how saddles affect the horses we understand how girths affect the horses we understand how brow band affects the horse's way of movement i mean 20 years ago we didn't know that if you if you had your throat latch done up in a certain way that it would affect the hock movement yes there were some amazing people out there that had those ideas but they didn't have the scientific evidence and they certainly didn't have the voice to expand it to the whole world so we are so much further ahead in our ability to understand what's going on and that is why some of this can become a bit confusing to some people because things we were taught 20 years ago might not have been right and even if they were the best coach at the time 20 years ago they things have changed and we as coaches have to change as well we have to keep an eye on the data that's coming through we have to understand what's going on there's always open conversations and this is the key thing as well it's a conversation so i quite often find people shouting other people down in the social media community we don't like that obviously um with this kind of well i know better or someone knows better and what you're saying is wrong and ultimately it's all new evidence that's coming through and some people as i said may have had access to it for a very long time and some people like you and maybe others are just coming to it as a new as something new and so and this is constantly evolving so previous to the driving seat this is the pendulum that swung we had the kind of in the uk we had a very hunting seat so the legs were forward um you would call it quite a chair seat nowadays and then you would be tilted forwards from the upper body so there'd be this closed hip action and everything was very much two point c up out the saddle or sitting in the saddle like a chair and that's because of our hunting past our cross-country past we didn't have much schooling history at that point in time so therefore everything was at speed sorry i've got a really horrible cold at the moment <coughs> i'll try and edit that out everything was at speed and the way we rode was very much um part of that and the way the saddles were built in this in in this 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 world was built like that so quite closed hip action hip flexors weren't really talked about pelvis out angle wasn't really talked about in this part of the world and again i'm going back 20 odd years but if you're my age quite still within the the riding lifetime i i opened actually tomorrow i opened my equestrian center 20 years ago so um yeah well within my riding lifetime even at the tender age of 38 i like to say not too old but we we have had huge changes so we went from this kind of um forward hunting seat legs quite forward and we overcompensated and we sent riders all the way back onto their back of their seat bones tucking their tails bones underneath them flattening their back so we lose all of the absorption of the spine and try to get them to sit back sit back sit up sit back but not actually fully understanding that and if you grew up in that era your glutes your bum muscles would have played a huge part in your riding and what we end up doing is with these glutes is we end up potentially and this is not everyone but there is a potential that we override with our glutes so if you've got a driving seat and you've been taught with a driving seat you will think about you'll be kind of squeezing your bum cheeks together and rocking onto the back of your pelvis as your horse walks forward so you're kind of driving them forwards with your seat as i said this was a this was a, a technique taught it was a fashionable technique at the time because we wanted to try to bring riders back the problem with this is and what we now know 
is when you've got your driving seat so your your glutes are all switched on and you're kind of shoving the horse forwards with your hips is it actually isn't creating a driving force for your horse it's creating a braking force because what you're doing is you're closing the space over your horse's back so you are stopping the movement of the muscles over your horse's back. So you're actually shortening and slowing the movement rather than allowing the movement to be created and a bigger movement to be created for what you're aiming for. So what we end up seeing is quite a lot is with this driving seat is an overuse of forward aid. So more and more leg being used because your seat, your glutes and everything being switched on from that seat is saying stop. So you're, that's being saying stop and that's all the way over your horse's back. And then there's this like having to be a much stronger leg aid to create a forward movement because there's two different conversations going on. And obviously nowadays or any days we, we want the ideal is that we want to try to reduce, simplify, strip back the amount of aid we use with our horses. So it's much more of a of a sensual feeling rather than a power feeling of aid. It's much more delicate and it's much more intricate rather than forceful. So what we need to first do is if we've got a horse that is reluctant to go forward or doesn't cover the ground with very much stride length, we need to come back to ourselves. And obviously we're checking things like saddles. We're checking things like um, <clears throat> horses soundness and physios, etc., etc., etc. But once all of that is clear, we need to also look at ourselves and we need to say to ourselves, am I creating this stop am i overusing my braking muscles to to stall my horse to create a smaller movement and that comes into the first place i would check as a coach is what are your bum muscles doing are you activating those bum muscles constantly or are you conscious about what they're happening and the ideal situation is is we want our glute muscles to be able to activate they need to be able to activate so they need to be strong so i'm not at no point in this am i telling anyone that they should have weak glutes your glutes are a critical part of your pelvic stability along with your hip flexors so we might talk about glutes being overly active we might talk about hip flexors being too tight but that doesn't mean we want them to all go floppy and weak and not do anything because they all have a really important role in holding our pelvis in, a, in the correct way. But they shouldn't be on all of the time. So they shouldn't be firing constantly. So your glutes, your bum muscles need to be able to switch on if you want to slow your horse down. So apply a half halt or a full transition downwards in a collecting action they catch the energy that's underneath you and they hold that energy for a moment so they stop the energy from flowing too far forwards too quickly so when you've got your glutes on that is your braking aid so that's your whoa aid but we also need to be able to release those glutes and we need to be able to say and move on and if we apply a forward aid we want to apply a forward aid with no or very little glute pressure so we need to make sure that when we're riding we're riding with that conscious awareness of what our bum is doing and that we're not creating this constant switch on and also that we're not too saggy about it and we're not looking after ourselves at all so that the overriding effect can actually create a horse that's going slower and slower and slower now if you 
aren't doing it because you're desperately trying to get your horse to go forwards we also need to think about why our glutes may be switched on so the reason I'm doing this podcast is because quite a lot of people have gone tell me exercises I need to know exercises for this because I do this all of the time the reason I'm hesitant for this is because there are very different reasons why our glutes might be switched on and exercising isn't always going to be the first thing we need to think about well it wouldn't be for me as a coach if I had you in front of me and I noticed that yes your glutes were switched on I would need to check in with a few things I wouldn't just send you off with an exercise plan because the glutes as well as the hip flexors and all the pelvic stability stabilizing muscles are highly linked to our nervous system so you've heard me in previous podcasts talk about the nervous system and how it creates movement chains within our body and this is really really key when it comes to our big powerful muscles like the backs of the thighs the bum the hip flexors so the muscles that draw the thigh towards the body um, the muscles across your chest So your pectoral muscles, the muscles that draw your shoulders forwards and the muscles that also tighten, um, like lock your shoulders into place. These muscles are all massively linked to the nervous system and the state that the nervous system is in. Now, I'm going to pre-line this with even if you don't feel nervous or scared or stressed, you may still be living in a sympathetic nervous system state so you may still be in a state of stress nerves and high tension the reason i'm saying this is because quite a lot of people i wrote a really long post about this and a lot of people were like well i'm not nervous so that's not me i'm just overriding and yes that could be you But I've worked, I'm a yoga, qualified yoga teacher as well, and I'm qualified in stress management and I've done lots of stress, stress courses to understand how the stress responds within our body. So I work a lot with people um, about managing their nervous system and managing their stress. And most people that are living in a high level stressed state, so chronic stress, don't recognise that they are living in that state. Because when you when it turns into something that's chronic it becomes normal so what you end up doing is you end up living with like within a chronic stress state and then your stress state just rises to even more stressed back to stressed rises to even more stressed back to stressed but you never fully drop into relaxation so you are always somewhere within the sympathetic nervous system ratio and you're never dropping into the parasympathetic nervous system so this is really important to recognize because if we are riding and we are in a sympathetic nervous system state we will our brain um connection to our body will be much more heightened to using the muscles it needs to use in a fight flight situation and they are your power muscles rather than your intricate delicate muscles that it would be more attuned to using in a rest and digest situation so i'll say that again if we are riding in a sympathetic nervous system state so our stress fight flight however you want to label it but a sympathetic nervous system state the communication between our brain and our body will be much more heightened to using your power muscles 
So your glutes, the backs of your thighs, your hip flexors, your calves, your shoulders, your chest. And it will be much more able to access those muscles and quicker to access those muscles than it will be to use your more delicate, finite muscles, your adductors, your abductors, the muscles that draw your legs towards one another, the muscles that draw your legs away from one another, your forearms, your um, your neck, it will, it, your deep core, all of those much more detailed, less um power muscles but much more stabilizing muscles and much more kind of important for riding that they are going to be really in the like lower list of where it's going to make the connection with and the way you can connect with those muscles quicker and easier is being in the parasympathetic nervous system so you will know that as maybe rest and digest your relaxation nervous system so most of us in this world nowadays, we'll be living much more of our time in the sympathetic nervous system state than the parasympathetic nervous system state, especially if we don't do the work to try and relax. So what I mean by that is if you don't do any conscious breath work, if you don't do any sort of movement practice that is aimed at relaxing, at relaxing you, bringing you out of the stress state, if you don't take time to go for a slow walk with nothing going on in your head, if you don't um, take a moment each day to to just pause and feel yourself breathe and touch the ground, conscious awareness of just slowing down, we will all be working somewhere within that sympathetic state because life happens so much quicker for us as a human and it happens quicker than we are trained to cope with that we will to be able to cope with our normal day, we have to be somewhere in that sympathetic nervous system. So this is not saying you're doing anything wrong. This is not saying that you are poorly managing yourself. This is no it's this is how we have to be to deal with the get up, get out the door, get the horses done, get back in, get the children ready for school, get the kids to school, get back, go do your work, get the shop of the evening, pick the kids up, get back, do the horses, and you and the list goes on and then you fall into bed and then you get up and you do it all again. If you are that living that life, you are living in a sympathetic nervous system state. Because you couldn't live that kind of life in a parasympathetic nervous system state. Now, as I say that, you shouldn't live, live your life in a parasympathetic nervous system state all of the time anyway, because that would give you no, you'd have no get up, you'd have no go, you'd be wanting to lay under the covers all day. And people that have adrenal fatigue, so physic, have a medical adrenal fatigue where they have been in chronic stress for so long and they hit a wall and then they can't actually get out of bed. We've known this as chronic fatigue syndrome. I suffered with this. I know it well. This is what got me into stress and understanding stress at such a deep level. Um, people that have adrenal fatigue are those people that are living now suddenly in this kind of forced parasympathetic nervous system state where they can't move, can't function. That's not healthy either. So what we what our nervous system should do is it should act like a switch. It could switch on, off, on, off, on, off all day. So it lifts up when the alarm goes off because it gets you out of bed. But when you stop and you have a cup of co coffee in the morning or have your breakfast in the morning, it should just drop back down again and then it lifts up. 
most of us it doesn't happen like that because we're constantly bombarded with um stimuli that is constantly lifting us into this sympathetic nervous system state Whew. okay so you may not recognize yourself in this state but the problem is when we live in this and when we ride from this sympathetic state our brain accesses the power pack muscles much quicker and our body moves in a certain way that is linked to that sympathetic nervous system state and you might be thinking what's this got to do with my bum megan well the thing that's that's got to do with your bum is it's your glutes are one of the biggest parts of being in that sympathetic nervous system state because fight and flight if you think about runners at the start of a 100 meter sprint and you think of the kind of position they put themselves in so they're down on the blocks their bums in the air their legs are bent you can if you're if you're not in the car you can kind of make that position and they've got everything ready to power off those blocks to run as fast as they can your glutes are part of that your glutes are switched on also the angle of your um body to thigh is closed so that hip angle that we want to be open when we ride and free to move is locked shut because what your body has learned to do over hundreds thousands of years is if i get into that position i can run as fast as i possibly can so if i power up those muscles and i engage those muscles and i activate those muscles i can get out of there i can get out of the stressful situation so if we're in that sympathetic nervous system state and we're riding from that state our glutes are going to be switched on and if they're not fully switched on they're going to be activated enough to say go or i need something so i'm going to get it from that so that that brain body line of communication is going to be much more on the sympathetic side so it's going to be picking those muscles to use so how would you know that you're doing that so if you do know that you switch on your glutes all of the time that is a sign that your body is sitting within that sympathetic nervous system state even without your conscious knowledge and as a coach i would then make sure i would go through a checklist as i was watching you ride and talking to you i'd be looking at how you breathe so if you breathe all into your chest and you rarely use your diaphragm and you rarely breathe into your belly that's also another tick on that box of being in that sympathetic nervous system so we'd be discussing how to breathe properly as we ride to help us kind of drop out of that sympathetic state i'd be looking at the angle of your hip so if you have if it's just a physical tightness you the glutes what the glutes do is they draw your leg down and back so they do the opposite to what your hip flexors do so if it's a physical like you've just always got your glutes sit strong because they're really tight that's quite a rare thing because most people don't have their leg pulled back all of the time so what normally happens is if you are switching your glutes on is because you're trying too hard so you're trying to drive the horse forward or it's a nervous system reason but glutes are rarely like tight they're rarely short and tight for for just random reasons hip flexors are short and tight because we spend our life with our legs in the seated seated position but that's actually in theory in theory she says stretching out your glutes because your hip flexors and glutes are opposing muscles so when your glutes switch on your hip flexors should 
lengthen and when your hip flexors switch on your glutes should lengthen so there should be that kind of like partnership between them now if both your hip flexors and your glutes are switched on so if your hip angle is tight and short so your thigh is being drawn forwards and your glutes are being switched on at the same time we end up with this pelvic tilt where you are your leg is either being drawn up so you can't get your leg underneath yourself or you end up with this kind of pelvis being tilted forwards and lower back being hyper arched because of the the kind of contortion of the two muscles being pulled so you end up with a lordotic spine some of you might have recognized that term where you end up with this kind of real hyper lower back arch where every and you probably end up with quite a lot of pain because you've got these two big powerful muscles pulling at the pelvis and where one should be releasing and the other one should be activating they're both activating at the same time and that should in in our survival instinct that should only happen for a very short space of time because we should run to get away from that danger and then those muscles would go back to working together as a pair but being in a sympathetic state and living in a sympathetic over a long period of time means it never goes back so that pairing never goes back so you end up being pulled in these like opposing directions because this nervous system is still saying but i've got to be prepared to run i've got to be prepared to run and everything is switched on and we end up being pulled and we end up with back pain and we end up with tightness in our hips and we end up with this feeling of tightness and we don't know where it's coming from because there's no resounding obviousness and our horses aren't moving properly and everything feels very jarred and stuck and that is i would say as a coach a sign that our nervous system is a little bit heightened or quite obviously heightened and we need to think about how do we cool that nervous system down and so then i would guide you back to things like my foot podcast about how you feel your feet and creating that space within your body to understand that you are safe and it can can cool that nervous system down so you have to have a little bit of body awareness here and you have to start to say to yourself i know logically i feel all right but physically what is my body actually telling me so for those of you that compete that can easily be that you ride at home and everything feels great but the second you put the video camera on or the second you go and warm up in front of people or go for a lesson or ride down the center line your horse stops moving everything goes a bit tight everything feels a bit stuck or you watch yourself back on a video and you think not normally in that position when i'm at home that's your sympathetic nervous system amping up because of the situation that you're in so recognizing that when we start to feel that kind of maybe we are aware of it and we feel nervous but i'm a person that i'm like i sometimes i can feel ridiculously nervous and feel like i'm gonna throw up sorry to be crude but there's other times where i'm like yeah no i feel fine i feel fine and then i'll get on and my stirrups need to go up like three holes because my 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 um hip flexors and my um glutes are holding so tightly that i can't drop those legs back those legs down and then i'm like oh probably not fine then body is still re reacting like i'm in a stressful situation 
Um, and what's that going to do to my horse? Well, I'm going to lock up her back so she can't move forward because I've got the brakes on. Even if I'm unconsciously aware of it, my stirrup length tells me I, I can't have got the brakes on. And um, I'm not going to be able to move with her because I'm going to lock up my body and everything's not going to go to plan. So understanding that we can be in this state without realising is really, really, really key recognizing that then being in this state has a huge effect over the way our body moves is also really key because I could give you a million stretches or I could give you five and say do those stretches every single day but if you do them in a sympathetic way and you don't kind of think about how are you going to change your nervous system you will always even if you're the most stretchiest human you will always switch those muscles will always switch on when you're in that sympathetic state so i am a yoga teacher i am quite mobile i'm hypermobile in a lot of spaces through my body but if i'm nervous i i will i move like a plank of wood and that's that doesn't matter how many stretches i do in the day that is me recognizing that my nervous system is has quite a strong powerful reflex and it puts me into a very physical pattern of movement. And one of those patterns is my glute switch on. So, yes, stretching and strengthening work is key, is key. I'm not saying don't do it, but it's not the whole be all and end all. We have to understand what is creating it. So your nervous system being switched, switching on those powerful muscles around your pelvis could be one of the reasons why your horse doesn't want to move forward could be one of the reasons why you're having to overuse your aids could be one of the reasons why you always feel like your horse isn't in front of your leg because you're you're basically your body your pelvis your seat is saying stop so your leg is having to be stronger you might feel like i've had people say oh i've had to use a whip now and i don't have to use a whip or i've had to put spurs on now because they're just not going anywhere and all of that rings alarm bells because it's like okay what is creating this now is that horse happy and healthy for one like why aren't why are they not wanting to go forwards because horses genuinely do want to move that is their that is their happy state is movement so why are they not wanting to move what is creating that are they and i and i kind of with a client i'll go into everything from food through to pain through to just checking everything but i'll also be looking at the rider going okay why is this why is this stop being created and are we being part of it and most horses are so sensitive and we don't realize actually how much we're affecting them because maybe we've always ridden like that and some and 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 i say most horses are so sensitive but some horses depending on the size of them depending on the size of you you'll have bigger effects on some horses than you'll have on others etc so my pony apple is 13 too so she's small her saddle is a 14 and a half inch so her back space is tiny and um which is why my bum always looks too big <laughs> that's what i tell myself anyway um but that that's that means that i have actually quite a massive um effect on her any out of balanceness is huge because because i i cover the whole of her back space that she has the saddle is correctly fitted i fit the saddle da, da, da. but if you compared that to me being on i'm only five foot three so i'm quite small but 
any like on a 17 to warm blood with an 18 inch saddle space I would have much less an effect the horse could ignore me an element the horse isn't going to be affected by me so much the horse might be super sensitive in the back and therefore they may be but it does vary so you might have started on a new horse and think well this horse doesn't go anywhere but it might be that actually your riding is being is affecting your horse much more than it did dot 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 beforehand because they were broader because they had they were bigger or narrower or they were older a younger horse that cast that listens to everything a rider says is much more sensitive to changes of the body than an older horse that's stronger and able to stabilize themselves in a bit more of a of a of a, of a self carriage way so these all these things are kind of bits we have to put in the melting pot and we have to understand oh yeah that's that might that might be why that's happening so hopefully that's got you thinking about the nervous system side um and then the and we've got the overriding side so what do we need to do that's that's the next question isn't it well okay meg you're saying switching on my glutes is not the ideal so what do we need to do so when we're going to take the walk pace so when a horse walks they don't walk where their back moves as one solid lump so if you've been switching on your glutes you will have found that your hips will have moved in one solid way that have pushed forwards and back push forwards and back so you'd have had a rock action and you've got an action so that that's good you've got movement because there are some riders out there that they've got no movement so if you've got a rock action you've got an action but that's moving as one solid thing across both sides of the horse's back. And that is not how a horse moves. Now, I really urge you, if you can one day, to put a saddle on a horse's back, put your saddle on your horse's back. Or if you don't have a horse, see if you can watch someone do this and watch them lunge the horse with the saddle on. And the key is with the saddle on, because what you'll see with the saddle is you will suddenly see how much movement a horse has in their back and when you don't have the saddle on it's not so obvious and and I want you to watch that because you will also see how much movement you have to have within your body and within your pelvis to be able to stay with that movement so it's not a case of sitting still when we watch a rider that feels so connected with the horse it's because they're moving in exactly the same way as the horse is moving so their pelvis is doing exactly the same thing as the horse's back. That's when we see a rider and it looks like they're doing very little, but actually they're doing an awful lot, but they're doing it in exactly the same way as their horse's back. So you've got the horse's back, you've got your pelvis and you're following that movement completely and totally in time. So if you can ever see a horse walk with a saddle on, trot with a saddle on, canter with a saddle on, it is hugely fascinating because it's very eye opening to go, oh, yeah, that, that actually moves quite a lot. And if you have the ability to watch different horses, you will see also how their backs will move differently. So, again, things into the melting pot. If you've got a horse that doesn't have a huge amount of back movement, then the fact that you're not moving so much with their back also will be less will have a less of an effect but if you've got a big moving horse with a big moving back and your glutes and your hip flexors are all switched on 
you're going to massively affect that horse's ability to move because you are you are you are further apart from their movement than maybe a horse with a much smoother movement and there again there are horses out there you will know that there are horses out there that are easier to sit to let's say and there are horses out there that really aren't easy to sit to the ones that aren't easy to sit with they have bigger movements but let's go back to the walk again so the horse's back doesn't move in this kind of like jolty forwards and back movement it moves independently through each side so each time a horse lifts their back leg up there is a difference in the height of um the side of each back of, of the back muscles so i'm re-recording this because i got myself in the right muddle <laughs> so bear with me okay so you, when the horse lifts their leg up off the floor so take their right hind leg when they lift their right hind leg up off the floor, their hip drops. So your seat will drop down a tiny amount. As they place that right leg down on the floor, the weight comes over that leg and that right hip and back muscle lifts up, comes forwards. And then as the horse takes the foot back off of the, the floor, then the back muscle drops again. And then it's the same on the other side. So as the left foot hits the floor, takes the weight into the leg, the left shoulder, um, not shoulder, hip and back muscle lift. It ro The horse rolls forwards over the top of that leg. The back muscle lifts up and over and drops back down as the horse lifts the weight off of that foot. <clears throat> so when that foot hits the floor, when your right horse's right hind foot hits the floor, you are going to feel your right hip come up and forwards and down. And as that right foot leaves the floor, you're going to feel your right hip drop and roll backwards a tiny amount. And then the same on the left side. So as the left foot hits the floor, you're going to feel your left hip come up, roll forwards and down. And as it drops back, it's going to roll back. So you end up with your seat bones and your pelvis working in two individual ways. And it is effectively like the same um, function as your body does when you walk. This is why we use horses in rehabilitation and in disabled work, because the war horses walk creates the same function in your body as you walking along the floor so if you can walk you can create this function within your hips as well and the key here is to understand that you aren't taking out of your brain that you're not sitting on the horse but you're actually walking with the horse so your hips are going to move right and then left and then right and then left as that phase of walk goes over the top now, this is something that you're going to feel and it's going to take probably a little while to feel. You're going to spend a lot of time in walk. <laughs> but this feeling is going to be when your glutes are subtly firing and your hip flexors are subtly firing and you're starting to actively use your seat rather than um, to like overriding your seat. So what I say, first of all, when I've got someone that does that is I want them to fully relax. So we turn into fully relaxed and are we just going to get the feeling of what it feels like to follow the horse's movement? Now, that's not where we stay, because if we're totally relaxed and we're all floppy, we end up not supporting ourselves in any sort of way. 
so we end up supporting ourselves we end up requiring the horse to support ourselves which isn't ideal we want to support ourselves so our horse can work on themselves but but we have to kind of if we're a bit too tight and we've been a bit overridey we have to fully kind of like go all floppy to start with and then from that point once we've over floppied and we've got the understanding of the movement then we start to bring in a bit of activity in our body and when i talk about activity i want you to think of like a ballroom dancer or a ballet dancer where they're positively positively active so they're supporting themselves and they're using their muscles to support themselves but they're not tight tense or kind of crawling up into a little ball and they're certainly not rigid so your pelvis is going to move left and right left and right forwards and back forwards and back and yes as part of stabilizing your pelvis and moving with it your glutes do have to activate so for people that are reading my stuff and thinking oh of course your glutes have to activate because that's part of exercise yes they do but what we don't want them to be doing is a fixed on where you can't then move your seat to follow your horse's action and you end up with this kind of rocky shovey or bouncy jarry feeling through your back and through your pelvis so we get that nice left and right and you start to feel your pelvis moving with your horse's back that's when we start to create a quality seat that's following with the horse's movement not even following because we don't want to be behind the horse's movement with the horse's movement over a seat that is breaking and shoving so then what do we need to do so we've got this we've got we've now worked out this the seat moves left and right and we've started to follow the action so then when we want to say for example we want to ride a walk to halt transition all we then need to do at this point is stop that movement, squidge our glutes back together again. And that stopping of the movement and tightening of the glutes and bringing the legs a little closer to your horse's sides through inward squeeze stops the horse because it acts as the brake. And as you start to practice that, you will start to notice, oh, yeah, my seat has a huge effect. And you might have to put a little bit of rain aid on. But you'll have to use far less leg and rein aid when your seat starts to move with your horse over you trying to create a movement or you not realising how much movement. So it can happen in those like if you feel your horse is sometimes a a downward spiral because you can feel your horse isn't moving. So you start to kind of get shabby with the seat, overriding with the seat to try to get the horse it's all from good intentions to try to get your horse to walk on because you don't want to use too much leg aid but then you have to use your leg aid as well and actually what i want you to think about is not trying to create the movement as in i'm just going to kind of like rock but if you want a horse to have a longer stride you're going to think about those seat bones moving further forwards in their move so you're going to think about you want that hind leg to step up and reach forwards a bit so you're going to bring that that seat bone up and forwards a bit and then the other one and if you want to collect it you make the you make the um the movement shorter so it's longer or shorter but what you're not trying to do is you're not trying to like bring both seat bones together and shove your horse on because all that's going to happen there is they're going to stop or if you think about a shove in that they're going to dip their back away and they're going to come through on their forehand and this is the last thing because this is going to explode your brain 
for some horses that action isn't a braking aid it's a run out the front door go as fast as you can aid because if you have if they have a very if you have quite a big rotation on your pelvis as you do that and they are forward thinking horse all that you're going to do is you're going to squeeze your glutes together shove their the, your bum forwards they're going to dip their back away they're going to stick their head up they're going to run out through their shoulders and they're going to fly forwards from it run away from it rather than stop so depending on your horse's thought process whether there is you can't get them to stop you might be using too much aid to get them to go you also might be using too much aid to get them to stop so we want to create that space where you are moving and you are working together with your horse and you're not creating a response from them that's trying to escape your seat either by going too slow or by trying to run away okay i think i've covered everything there um as always if this has asked created more questions than answers please let me know let me know how you get on go out and do some walking go out on some hacks do some walking get some feeling of what that feels like to move in a different kind of way let me know what that does for your horse underneath you let me know how what that's got thinking about you um and yeah i'm here if you've got any questions and um or just input just send me a message i'd love to hear back from you and i hope this lands well and i hope to i will be back next week with some more um just a quick note if you've got this far well done this week so i'm recording this on halloween it's 31st of october this wednesday night so that'll be the 2nd of november is my next biomechanics webinar and we're going to be looking at the rider's hands so if you are a rider that struggles with your hands moving them feeling like they're a bit fidgety feeling like you'd like a softer contact all of those things around your your hands and kind of like your upper body shoulder region feel like your shoulders roll forwards all of that malarkey this is going to be really of huge interest to you so i will i go live at eight o'clock you can book in via the website if you're a member of the academy you get free access to this webinar and you get to look back at it so if you can't make it live for those of you that are the other side of the world um it will go on to there so it's well worth being a member of the academy it's like 15 pounds a month and i do two webinars a month and then if, loads of other stuff as well um, if you aren't a member and you just want to drop in it is 20 pounds for the webinar itself so like it's a no-brainer be a member but that is happening this wednesday night at eight o'clock um so this will go out tomorrow so that's if you're listening to this today it's released tomorrow night so come and join me for these dark evenings now and um I know some of you are going into summer but i'm going to kind of blank out the fact you're going into summer um and yeah learn a bit more and hopefully what we'll do is we'll clear up some and you can ask me questions throughout the webinar so we'll clear up some riding myths and also help you with some issues and it's all about hands this time so yeah go take a look at the website um thanks for that and i will see you soon Thanks 
thanks for listening the whole way through. I sound surprised, don't I? I always am. And I'm always so grateful for your support. So I'm just dropping in here to remind you that if you want, if you're enjoying these podcasts, and you want to know more and learn more and get into this kind of world of rider biomechanics, then to take a check out on my website, it's megparkinson.com. And on there, you'll find how you can work with me with a bit of detail or a bit more deeper concept. I do a lot of online stuff, virtual stuff, so it doesn't matter where you are in the world. And to have a little look around the the Aligned Rider Academy. Um, it's under a new name. Yes, this is the old the online riding club. But the Aligned Rider Academy feels a little bit more apt as what we're teaching. Um, have a look around there, see what there is and see and maybe come and join me in it. We do so much stuff as a community. Um, there's tons of content for you to enjoy from the audio lessons to the extra stretch classes, to the webinars, um, to live Instagram chats. Just so, so much. Um, I just basically put my heart and soul into the academy and so many people are loving it. So why don't you come and have a look around too? And it's only £15, £15 a month. It's like 50p a day and you get a ton, a ton of training content. So have a little look around maybe sign up you can cancel any time so you can do a month and then go oh, i'm not really using it and you can cancel it it's fine i won't take offense <laughs> and um enjoy the time with me a little bit more but thank you so much for listening to this episode and if i can ask you a cheeky little favor if you have found this episode interesting or any part of this podcast interesting could you please share with a friend i know everyone asks on the podcasts and every podcast you listen to everyone's like please 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 but it really really does help especially a little small person like me trying to kind of spread the word the biggest thing that you could do to help me um build my business and help me build my customers is just share 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 spread the word about what we do if it's helped you it will help someone else you know and then if you want to even put it in your stories on social media little note on that I won't know you've shared it unless you tag me in it so tag me in it so I can see that you've shared it and I can like give you a virtual hug and say thank you um and obviously, if you do like this stuff, make sure you press subscribe so you get all of the latest episode dropping into your podcast app regularly. That just helps you make sure you don't get left behind. But I'm going to leave you there. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll speak to you next time. <laughs>